0: Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Ron Corning, and this is Horse Sense Street Smart Investing, the podcast. Clark Hodges is here with Hodges Capital Management, along with Alan Ebright. He's with Client Relations, and of course, Clark manages clients, also is the chief marketing officer here, wearing a lot of hats. And we're talking today, guys, about the questions that somebody should ask of an advisor when they're figuring out who should manage their money. So, Clark, I'm going to start with you. Is there a prevailing question over the years that you get hit with most often right out of the gate when someone sits down in front of you and is deciding whether they should hand their money over to you?
1: Yeah, you know, it's typically how long have you been in the industry? How long have you been doing this? And that's really the you, the first thing that will be one of their hot, buds, hot buttons to put them at ease. How long So, have you Clark, been doing it?
0: how long have you been doing this?
1: Since 1990. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Since 1990, your brother for 35 years, but your dad before that... He got most the business most of in his 1960, yeah. Yeah, 1960. So that's part of the process is figuring out what's the tenure here and what's the benefit in that? You've said something to me that I think is really interesting when you talk about portfolio managers on Wall Street and their tenure. Compare that with what you see inside this building.
1: Well, when you've been in business 32 years, 35 years, whatever the case may be, and you think about the stock market and you think about how the stock market changes Sometimes year in, year out, but maybe decade in, decade out. Mm -hmm. You've seen a lot over your time. You've got experience of living through good markets and bad markets. So that experience really is something crucial because you're going to have a client who calls up in a bad market, wants to make a move that you know is a wrong move because of your experience. And so that's really a key issue, really.
0: Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking about it, Alan, and somebody who's been in the business 35 or more years, they were around for, right, for 87. When when that happened, the crash in 87, mm-hmm. they were around for the dot-com boom and bust. They were around for for 08. Yeah. So when you're talking to clients, do you impart on them the value of that experience and knowing markets both up and down and weathering Portfolios through through those ups and downs.
2: Absolutely, I mean uh, investing is a marathon. It's never a sprint. You probably heard me say that before on other podcasts, and you know there is a premium to be paid for experience and tenure in this industry. And every time we go through a, a, a big up cycle it makes everybody kind of seem like a genius. Right. And then yeah. we go through a down cycle and those geniuses are kind of made into mere mortals. Uh-huh. And you know, knowing kind of how to shuck and jive and what to do in different market environments, that is something that you can only learn by going through cycles.
0: Well, the order in which we're asking these questions may not be the order that they should be asked from a client. But this, like, for example, what's my all-in cost? That's a very important question that a client may ask right out of the gate (laughs) before they even consider what the experience of a firm is. So let's talk about that. When you ask of an advisor, what's my all-in cost? Or what's this going, how they probably ask it is, what is this going to cost me to have you manage my money? How do you answer that question? Clark?
1: Well, it's going to cost you, you know, a fee and the fee for managing the money, overseeing the money, keeping up with the services part of the industry with, you know, giving them statements and recommendations and things like that on maybe taxes and stuff like that. That's part of it. Uh But, you know, what you really are getting is the experience of each person that's been in the business. How long have they been in the business? And I remember, Ron, um, my father passed away in 2015 my brother Craig and my dad were having a conversation and and Craig passed this on to me. He said, you know, I feel good about you guys going forward. My dad knew he was going to pass. He said, I feel good about you guys for going forward. And Craig said, why? He goes, because you guys have seen a lot. You've been in a lot of different markets and you've been through them. So you take every employee in this, in this building and you say, what have they seen? What have they lived through? That's experience that you're, being, you're able to pass on to the client. And you know there is gonna be that time where it's like, man, I, I really need to lean on my advisor because I'm really nervous. Human nature takes over when markets go really bad and you just wanna run for the hills and that's a human nature move. But probably the financial advisor would say, you know what, the best thing to do is sit on your hands. And mm-hmm. so his comment to my brother was, you guys have seen a lot. You've been in this business a long time you know, and Craig and I grew up around the business. So we've, we've heard those conversations from our father while he's on the phone with a client, maybe at nine o'clock at night, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, generally what what we all know, just from observation, you know, more of the particulars is that every market recovers in some form or fashion, right? It recovers eventually. It's on what timeline and it's in what ways is it recovering most robustly? Are there some sectors that are doing better than others? So that's, what you're paying for, Alan, you're paying for the experience. You're paying for the tenure. You're paying for the analysis, for the knowledge you're probably paying in part for some therapy to talk you off a ledge if the market's (laughs) down uh, and you open up your statement when you're told not to. Um, But how (laughs) much are you paying? And is there a fee structure that might raise a red flag or should raise a red flag as someone's vetting an advisor?
2: Right. So, you know, it's, what are you paying your advisor and they'll show you a schedule and uh, A lot of advisors out there rely on using products in a person's portfolio, either a lot of different mutual funds or exchange traded funds, which we all commonly know as ETFs. If you have a portfolio that's set up that way, you're paying a dual layer of fees. You're one fee to the advisor. And then when you dig through all those different things that they steered you into, there's a fee structure inside of those that comes out of your investment dollar, so not the, the advisor's. Who, so the
0: people who are managing the mutual fund, there are stocks in a mutual fund. Yep. And they're managing those stocks. And when they manage them, there's a fee attached. Yep. Right. And then when your advisor brings that mutual fund or you have that mutual fund in your portfolio, you're, then you're paying a fee on top of that is what you're saying? Correct. Okay, so is there any way around that? And if you're sitting in front of an advisor and that's not sitting well with you, um, what are your options?
2: Well, if if you have an advisory set up the way Hodges is set up, we pick individual stocks for our por- our clients' portfolios. We make them very diversified. And we sit down and talk with each prospective client on a case-by-case situation and figure out which one is going to be better for them to be in. Mm-hmm. And the the beauty of operating that way is there is uh, like no hidden agenda. And what I mean by that is is that we operate as a fiduciary, which means we have to put the client interest first. Potential conflicts of interest in the financial services industry revolve around selling products. Uh So we don't sell any products here for commission and our clients appreciate that. You know, they breathe a breath of fresh air that they're coming here for money management and that's what they're going to get. Well, the point of this podcast is of course to educate people on what this looks like Mm -hmm.
0: when they're beginning the process. So really the first question they should ask isn't, how long have you been doing this? Maybe that should be the second question. Should the first question be, are you a fiduciary? And if the answer to that question is no, is that not a good fit?
2: Should you move on? It's it's not that it's, it's not a black or white conversation. The financial services industry is huge. If you are not a fiduciary, you're operating as a broker. Um, and most likely you're going to work for one of the big brokerage firms that's out there or in a lot of cases, big banks have now partnered and owned brokerage firms. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It's just a different type of business model with a different set of regulatory uh, regulations that they have to abide to. When you work with us, we're a registered investment advisor. We are a fiduciary and we provide our clients with the necessary documentation to prove that.
0: So that lends itself, does it not, Clark, to your overall philosophy that that you you want to be a fiduciary—that's a de- decision in this right. vast world of investing that you've made because you believe that that carries with it a level of uh, responsibility, credibility, trustworthiness, et cetera. Was that handed down really from your dad? Is—is th- is this the path that he that he put the firm on?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things he used to say was when he started out way back in the '60s, he didn't like the system, and the system was such that your research department would put a buy on XYZ stock. And then they would do that and tell the brokers to turn around and sell XYZ stocks to their customers. The firm was actually doing the buy rating to get an investment banking deal with that company. That's exactly what Alan's referring to. That's not a fiduciary responsibility. That's that's the firm. It's in the, the interest of the firm. Yeah, he's interested in the firm over. So he's like, I don't, I don't like the system, and he kind of created how he was going to have his career go forward. Where if he didn't, if he recommended someone to buy a certain stock, he probably owned it himself, or he had done his own legwork and was not interested in trying to get some. Kickback, if you will, from XYZ publicly traded company for having a buy on, you know, on on a comp on a company stock. Is that a question
0: that a client watching this who wants to talk to you should ask you, Clark? Are you invested
1: in this? You bet. Yeah, and you would. It's you, relevant. And you're for transparent sure. about that. It's no doubt about it. You should be able to. Talk the talk and walk the walk. That's just that's just life. You have to be able to do that if you want to earn any credibility. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you call up and recommend something to somebody and a broker relationship, you know you better know a lot about it, and you better if they do ask you, hey, do you own this yourself? Mm-hmm. I would hope you would say yes, but. That, that goes a long way, I think, in establishing credibility if you do have that.
0: Okay. Here are a couple other technical questions, Alan. This one's for you. Okay. Uh, where will my account be kept? Like literally, where's the money? And I ask that question because a lot of people immediately go to that worst case scenario, and that is Bernie Madoff. I need,
2: I need to say no more than that for right. you to know where that question comes from. Absolutely. And that is a very important question to ask. Um, we use uh, a third-party brokerage firm to hold our client assets. And the the big name for that is just a custodian. We Mm -hmm. happen to use Fidelity. So a client comes here, we're managing their IRA or their joint account or their individual account. We will give them paperwork to open the account at Fidelity. So they get a login. They can see what we've purchased, when we buy and sell things. They Was can Madoff see it in real not time. doing that? Was Ma- he not? so you was bring he up the good point. That? So <laughs> so I, I mean, Madoff, I, yeah, you well, Hold on, I know
1: on. many many he was things. Creating he, his own statements.
2: Well, I mean, his whole th-
0: right. He like, one floor. He was creating statements. Some were legitimate, and others were not, as I as I remember. But is that actually? So you should have a login with your advisor to your custodian where
2: the money is is kept. Really? It's it's separate. Yep. So you get your login at Fidelity. We have the ability to transact only, right? That separates and and maintains the safety of the client's assets between the advisor and the client. What happened with Madoff is he used a custodian, but he used his own custodian, Madoff Mm -hmm. Securities, which was like two floors below Madoff Investment Management. And that gave him direct access And it was, it was, they, they say it was kind of a complex fraud, but it was actually very simple. He was changing up the values on client statements. Yeah. Just,
0: just plugging in the numbers, just plugging in the numbers. So make sure that it is a third party, bona fide, recognized custodian of your money and and established, um, a one-stop shop is if someone comes to you and says, okay, so you've got my retirement accounts. Do you have an accountant who can help me with my taxes? Do you have any other legal advice to offer on wills and trusts? Is a one-stop shop a good thing or is it a bad thing or is it just a different way to go about it?
2: You want me to field this one? Go ahead. Okay. So yeah, I get get that a lot. And what I tell people is, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. You can't wear too many hats. And when you look at your nest egg that needs to be invested and handled very carefully, the investment advisory of that is a very time consuming job. That's the most important function here. It's a 24-7 job is what you're saying. Absolutely. It's a 24-7 job and accountants And attorneys, these are transactional people. You're going to talk to your accountant around tax time, maybe one or two other times a year if you've got something interesting going on that year. And you can get an attorney to draw up a trust or an amend a trust and pay them a one-time fee to do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that one-stop shop is kind of a big uh, selling point for a lot of people out there. But we feel that money management is the most important element and that should be the main focus when you're interviewing an advisor.
0: Clark, does that lend itself to this quote that I want to share? It's from Ed Moore. It's in your dad's book, okay. which inspired this podcast for those who who may be watching for the first time, Horse Sense Street Smarts. Um, if you do just a little more than your competitors, you'll stand head and shoulders above them. You bet. In, in putting that quote in the book, was your dad drawing on his philosophy for being solely focused on money management 24-7 for offering the personalized attention, do you feel like that's where he did a little bit better that put him head and shoulders above right.
1: the late. The term, he, they were la- he's la- he was laser focused on equities, on stocks. He didn't like bonds. He didn't think they served the need of his customers because they didn't keep up with inflation so if you own a 30-year bond and you own a stock for 30 years his argument was you're gonna your value is gonna be higher in a stock in 30 years than your bond and you're going to keep up with inflation big topic nowadays you know around the country but Mm -hmm. he was laser focused on just equities and that's exactly the way he lived his life
0: yeah and that's exactly what you all continue to do here i know when i'm in the building Your researchers, your analysts are hard at work. I mean, they are laser focused. We don't do this podcast until after the markets close, after after three o'clock for that that very reason. Um, So thank you guys for offering our viewers, our listeners, a guide to what questions to ask when you're going down that road to handing your money over, really your nest egg, your life's investment to an advisor. And we will see you next time, everyone, for Horse Sense, Street Smart Investing, the podcast. I'm Ron Corning.
3: Hodges Capital Management Incorporated, HCM, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, is a wholly owned subsidiary of Hodges Capital Holdings and serves as investment advisor to the Hodges Funds. HCM is affiliated with First Dallas Securities Incorporated, a broker, dealer, and investment advisor registered with the SEC. This discussion is not intended to be a forecast of future events and should not be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing involves risk. Principal loss is possible. Investing in smaller companies involves additional risk, such as limited liquidity and greater volatility. No current or prospective client should assume that information referenced in this communication is a recommendation to buy or sell any security or is a substitute for personalized investment advice from your individual advisor. HCM does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor for any related questions. All information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable and is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. This material was created for informational purposes only, and the opinions expressed are solely those of HCM. HCM shall not in any way be liable for claims and makes no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and are subject to change without notice.
0: To learn more about the topics we covered in this episode, visit HodgesPrivateCapital.com. Continue the conversation on our Facebook page, Listen and download this episode and previous episodes on Apple Podcasts and on all other podcast platforms.